This is Kit Simons and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. What a result. Coming straight after a spirited performance, particularly that second half. Morgan, Baldo and I are here to discuss a fantastic away point against Spurs. Although we arguably could have nicked it with some more shots on target, a couple of faster passes and our general heads up. Nothing is going to take away how well we fought to reclaim a point this evening. We're all here to discuss it with a previewing of some blue filth on the side. Let's go. Fulham. Right, guys, and to all our listeners listening right now, we've gone straight into a pod recording after the match. Uh, we don't really have much of a schedule. I was meant to be writing one, but uh, I have no nails left because I was quite quite stressed out for the last dying hours of the game there. I'll, I'll go straight to you, Morgs, with this one. Um, what did we learn? <laughs> I We learned today that we have got a team of fighters, and I think we knew that to uh, to a point, but I think today really showed it. And I think all the build up to this game, all forty eight hours of build up to it, uh, as you know, it was it was one of those things where you just you weren't quite sure what we were going to get, but you knew for a fact that regardless of how little time we had to prepare, we knew that Scott was going to get them up for it, make sure we played our game. Uh, if there was any tiredness, you know, they didn't show it. And I think yeah. the, uh, you know, any after effects of playing on Saturday, but at the same time, the players who hadn't played and may have, may or may not have had COVID um, coming back in. I, I just think it was such a brilliant performance all around. And yeah. I, I think, you know, we've got a lot to be proud of that team because we have such an awful record, A, in London derbies, B, essentially away from home see coming back from 1-0 deficits especially in the second half and in that second half you know Jose's tactics are very much uh part the bus defend that 1-0 lead and so many times they've been bitten the arse by that and there's a lot of um Spurs mates of mine who are just sort of like say I forgot to say not again um yeah but you know we we kind of we see teams like that who have you know these tactics that sort of so often don't work against other teams and yet somehow they beat us this time uh, we just, you know, we managed to do what other teams had done. We snatched that point. Uh, you know, we richly deserved that point. And it was, uh, you know, yes, their goal was crap defensively, but our goal was brilliant offensively. And I think Lutman's going to take I mean, a lot of credit. I think Cav has got to take a lot of credit for getting in there. And, you know, there, there were a couple of negatives, but I don't really want to focus on those. Really, I yeah. may, I may, may will, have an opinion on Kamara's uh, at the end, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I think you know we uh, we came out with a point, and we should be incredibly proud of the fact that we fought back, and we are not out of this relegation race at all. I mean, you know, it's not even half done this season. How long it's been going for now? No. And uh, yeah, I think um, no, no. Yeah, we, only Scott the boy should be franchised. Huh? How many? Yeah, there's only 22 games left. Is there? Oh, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of games left to be played, and I've, I've got to say, you know, the coverage from Amazon on this game, there was a lot of statistics being thrown out. And you know, last time we were in the Premier League, we'd only got throughout the whole season got five points away from home. We are now on six, which is very good. And also, uh, statistically, we're not very good in second halves of games. Fantastic in the second half, I thought. I mean, absolutely phenomenal in my opinion. But Baldo, I'd like your opening thoughts, mate, and just general vibes of what we learned and how you're feeling. 
Oh, is it my turn now? I'm sorry, I never want to interrupt a Morgan rant whenever he's in full flow. Always a pleasure to listen to <laughs> it. It wasn't yeah. a rant. It was a lovely, <laughs> glowing sort of soliloquy. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you what I learned. A Morgan a lot more than Will, I'll tell you what I learned a lot more than Will Oakley's doing at the moment because he's one of the people that's skyping off school at the moment. Um, but yeah, we in all, in all fairness, I don't think we learned quite a lot because what did you expect any for, from, from a Fulham team, you know, in, in this you know, format of the Fulham team? We know how Scott Parker likes to set up. We know that we're very good defensively. We know that you know it's not going to be the most thrilling of games going in terms of an attacking sense. We had our chances, but for the most part, it wasn't really until we got our equaliser that you thought actually we might be able to nick something here. It was always going to be a bit of a slugfest. We kept them out for as you know for as long as we could. There needs to be some questions about the about the goal that we conceded. Should you know? the two centre-backs, Anderson and Adarabayo, I think it was. Someone needs to be picking up Harry Kane. I'm not quite sure who gets the most blame, as it were, but someone needs to be doing better there. Um, Ariola, mm. as always, was fantastic. The, uh, you know, Ali McCoyce was saying on the commentary how, how brilliant he was. He made some incredible stops and some very decent uh, stuff as well. And then, you know, our problem has always been going forward. You know, we know that we can keep the score down. It's just whether or not we can get something at the other end. We were, I'd, I'd say we probably earned a one from the game. Uh, I don't think we necessarily deserved. I mean, we created enough chances. Um, Abubakar Kamara had his thing at the end. Loftus-Cheek should have, could and should have done better. But overall, I don't think yeah. this is really anything that, you know, we learned anything new. This, this is the Fulham we have. We should just get used to it at this point. I, I don't know. I yeah. think we. Yeah. I think they they showed, you know. Yes, we've come up in games and we've uh, shown a bit of grit and stuff. I think we showed a lot of fight in this. That was it. Set us apart a little bit from some of our other performances. Yeah, but we've um, been showing just... fight in the sorry, but we've been showing fight in the games against Liverpool and to an extent Man City. This isn't this isn't a new thing. Is what I'm trying to say. Mm. It's not. Totally I think we're just more anyway. effective at it. I think yeah, I'll, I'll take that point. Yeah, more effective. Yeah. I'll take that. Whereas mm. you know we've got five, we've had five draws on the bounce now, which if you look at stats and see five draws, you think that's pretty uninspiring. But at the same time, we've had some hard games, and we have dug out results. We haven't lost yeah. them, which is the most important thing. And uh, you know, yes, we've got two very difficult games ahead, but you know, a, a you know a point away at West uh, Spurs is nothing to be sniffed at. You know, who's to say we can't get, you know, I know an empty cottage isn't quite the same, but two wins against, uh, you know, Chelsea and Man U. It's unlikely, but at the same time, there's no reason why we can't with that attitude. Well, tonight seemed unlikely. Tonight seemed unlikely. And, um, you know, Leicester seemed unlikely. Liverpool seemed unlikely. And I just feel like this team, there's just a nice air about this team that I, I thought that there's so many players in this game today who had such a fantastic game. I thought Harrison Reed was brilliant. I thought Tosin Adebarak, uh, apart from some wobbly legs at the start of the second half, I thought he was outstanding. Um, I didn't realise how much actually Joachim Anderson likes to go forward. He, he really likes to sort of do a bit of a Tom Kearney sort of move every now and then and try and create something in the final third, which is really good to see. But uh, I've just, you know, we, we haven't lost we haven't lost a game of football since the 5th of December. That's progress and it's good. And I know it's we, we could be better going forward, but that's why the January transfer window's here. And look, speaking of players that we could get and what we're lacking thereof, why don't we just start with the opening lineup? Uh, any complaints or anything noteworthy of you? Uh, Baldo, give me your thoughts of the opening lineup. 
I, you know, similar to what I've been saying, we know what the Scott Parker system is. So once we know what players are, you know, 100% for, you know, there's questions about Kearney and Mitrovic, you know, were they injured? So those those names were always going to be sort of 50-50. But for the most part, we, as I've said, we know what the Scott Parker system is. So the fact that we were back yeah. to the likes of Aina, Anderson, Adrabayo, Anthony Robinson, Reed, and Gisa, the usual suspects, didn't really surprise me at all. A little bit surprised that Luckman was on the bench, again, given his effectiveness so far this season. But again, for all we know, he could have been one of those players that had COVID and, you know, only got back to training a day ago. So it wasn't 100% match fit or 100% fit. For all we know, that could have been the case. It could have been the case with Kerry and Mitrovic, for all we know. There's still a lot of secrecy going around the Fulham team. But for the, but for the most part, wasn't totally surprised by, by what we saw. The only ma- minor one was the fact that we had Josh Onuma back because I know that the 25-man squad rule thing has been mm. slightly up in the air this season. That was my only surprise to see, oh, wait, he's now eligible to come back, which was a welcome surprise. Uh, I think looking at looking at the lineup, you kind of have to just assume Scott's picking his best team. I don't think he's, I don't think he was resting anyone in particular. Um, I think, you know, obviously if Mitro did have his injury from Saturday and stuff, that's fine. Uh, Kearney, I think we have to assume he's one of the, um, uh, the players with COVID, uh, same as Lamina. Uh, the other ones obviously just came back. And I think that's why probably why Lutman didn't start if he only came to training in the last couple of days. It's a weird time. I think we have to take all our lineups, um, you know, with a slight sort of, uh, you know, assumption that we are picking our best available players. And I think, mm. you know, it was it was a good, solid team. I thought, you know, again, there was, I'm just trying to think if there was anything that I thought at the beginning, if there was anything out of place. But then I thought, you know, Loftus-Cheek playing the false nine role didn't surprise me. Having sort of, uh, you know, Bobby and Cav either side of him. I mean, I th- again, I thought Bobby Reed was brilliant again tonight. It, the guy is playing with so much above. confidence. And, you yeah, know, even he, he's when he got... Above. And he's... um. He, when he got shifted to right wing back, I was like, oh, that's a bit of a shame because, you know, I would have actually stuck him up top and taken Loftus-Cheek off. But even still, playing right wing back, he's just so full of energy. And it's great to see um, that, you know, even at the end of a game, he's still you know, going on and on and on. Uh, he's a proper Duracell bunny. And I think, you know, yeah. well, what we, did you, we need players like that. What did you think of Loftus-Cheek in that uh, force nine position? I mean, I thought at the beginning he looked like he was getting on quite well with it. But as the, as the game went on, chances were getting missed, a bit of sloppiness here and there. What, what were your thoughts on Loftus-Cheek's role in this game, Hawks? And I'll go on to Bordeaux afterwards. I, I didn't think he was great, but I didn't think he was bad. I think, you know, it's... He was, he's not clinical. And, you know, that's in terms of uh, the false nine role. I'm not really sure, you know, what you're supposed to do in that particular thing. You're supposed to maybe hold up the ball and sort of bring in the um, two, uh, two wingers. But he, he's, um, you know, he used his strength and that was his best asset. I mean, he almost scored that scissor kick in the first half, which would have been great. But would have been at no good, point, yeah. you know, even when he sort of was put through by, was it Lookman? I think, or um, whoever it was, uh, he, you know, didn't look like scoring. And really? I, you know, I just, I think he he adds something to the game, but I don't think from a, you know, on a personal, you know, level for him, he's playing very well. 
and yeah. you know okay. i think you know I, I stick by what i said uh after the qpr game is that you know he must be adding something that parker sees that we may not but he needs to actually sort of maybe deliver something a lot more visible soon because you know right now if it's all subtlety i'm not quite sure where that you know what it's adding to the whole team overall Mm. Yeah. Oh, Boulder, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think we ended up looking like we could actually score in the first half? I mean, we started quite brightly, I thought, but just there was just that lack of just finishing and clinical edge at the end, wasn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And Loftus Cheek was, you know, one of the main main culprits of that. You know, back to the, the initial question, Loftus Cheek. I saw some people on Twitter saying that this was the best game that he's played for Fulham, and there are some people that were slating him. I think there are enough arguments on both ends for it. You know, we still. I still don't think we know what Loftus-Cheek's best position is. And honestly, I don't think Scott Parker does at this point as well. He's tried him at like like centre-forward type. He's tried him out wide. He's tried him number 10. He's tried him. There's still, we still haven't quite got round to, you know, as much as I say we know what the Scott Parker system is, Loftus-Cheek is just that one player that we still don't know what's going on. So I think the sooner that we work that out, then the sooner he'll be able to click and become that player that, you know, Tony Khan called world-class when we signed him, which he can be. There's a reason he's got so many England cats. And I think he went to the World Cup in 2018. There is a player there. We're just not seeing it at the moment. Do you think he knows what his best position is? I, th- I think he I think he does. And personally, I th- I, and again, this is me. Well, I think he's in a sort of second striker, number 10, sort of playing... In an ideal system, you know, similar to he'd be Zoltan Gira playing behind Bobby Zamora. If you want to make a direct comparison, he'd be you know Mitrovic up top, feeding balls, playing away with Ruben Loftus Cheek. That's where I think he should be playing. But obviously, the system Scott Parker has, you don't really have that kind of player with those sort of roles available. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, the thirty-fourth minute, you had that cheek chance. It just went wide. The sort of half scissor kick sort of thing but our 5-3-2 sort of really cramped Tottenham Hotspur in the middle of the park so what it reminded me very much of the Everton game where they were relying very much on their wing backs and wingers to uh, create the space and get the better of us so they had Aurea and uh, Regulon just causing a lot of havoc I thought Aurea was all over Robinson a bit too much throughout the game but I think he's a quality just above him at this moment in time but yeah and that's what led to the Harry Kane goal um I mean, we should talk about this because it's sort of divided opinion if it's a brilliant goal or if it's just not, if Anderson's just not close enough to him. I mean, I know that in the West Ham game, Harry Kane scored an identical goal to this with a setup from Regulan. And there were defenders marking Harry Kane as much as we have liked Anderson to mark him. And Harry Kane still scores a chance like, uh, header like that. So we can't know for sure. But it did seem a bit like Harry Kane could have had a, a picnic basket on his back during this uh, moment, wasn't it, Morgan? Yeah, I th- it was a classic Kane run. I think it it shouldn't have been a surprise. I don't I don't think it was. I think um, Anderson had his back to him, whereas um, Adarabio should have probably been tracking him because he could see where okay. the run was coming from. Uh, that's how I saw it anyway. You know, uh, Anderson was looking at looking at the ball. Adarabio was looking at Kane, and neither of them. You know, he was right in between the middle of them. It was a great header, don't get me wrong. Um, and, you know, Ariola had no chance. But I think it was definitely one of those where Adarabio's lack of, you know, Premier League experience come, uh, you know, it, you can tell. Uh, I mean, he was brilliant for the rest of the game. But that one particular moment where, you know, England, arguably uh, top striker, uh, just mm. saw the gap and went for it. And he's not missing those. And fair play. Yeah. It was it was a great goal. It was a great cross by um, 
uh, what's his name? Reguillon. Kind of funny Italian name, Spanish name, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, so you can't. It sounds, it sounds like a sauce. That's, uh, yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> but he, um, yeah, so I think yeah, it, was, it was a good goal. Uh, but I think Adam Rabio was probably the one who, if we're going to blame anyone, he was at folks. It was definitely the one who had eyes on Kane. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I hinted at it earlier. There's some someone has to take the blame. I think, given your analysis, it probably does go just to Adarabio. And even though he is a, he's inexperienced on the grand in the grand level of things, and even like the Adarabio Anderson partnership, it's still quite young. But I don't think like it should be used. It's it's we can't. I don't think we can say oh they haven't got used to each other yet. I think they've played enough games together where they can get that understanding. Not quite Hangland and Hughes level, or 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 Kit and Coleman level, but I don't think we should be using. Oh, they're not. They haven't played enough together as a as a reason or as an excuse just yet. That's the sort of thing that you know, they they really should be dealing with at, at at this stage of their you know at this stage of their career and their time at Fulham. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, in response to this goal, we 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 still sort of played well, but we didn't have as much possession as the second half. You had Kenny Tete was quite effective. I thought had a good first game back in the Premier League. Obviously, he played against QPR, but he, he made some fantastic runs. Um, a bit selfish with one of the shots. I think Bobby Reed was crying out for a pass there. That would have been a really nice. I mean, I, there are a few moments. We'll talk about the main one where we wish that someone made a, a bit more of a pass. But the, the second half. You know, it, it was it was a mad first few minutes end to end, and then we ended up just playing a lot better. We had more possession, and I think really sort of made the most of us, as you alluded to there, Morgan, with our possession style. Any any thoughts or you thought and before the amazing substitution? Is there anything you noticed about our play in the second half that made us better? I think we play. We we're able to play our possession game because Spurs let us, and you know, Mourinho Mourinho ball allows that to happen, and we. Mm. Obviously, we took advantage of it in the end, but it was just the fact that we had the ball, and with the ball at our feet, we're a great team. And I thought uh, Tete played well. I thought Robinson played well uh, down the flanks. I thought, you know, Cav was okay, um, and Reed was brilliant. And, you know, in the you know, part midfield, I thought, you know, Reed did a quietly very solid job in there. Angisa very much so, yeah. Was, you know, Angisa, you know, is just. Is, usual self i mean first half he gave the ball away a couple of times in the space of about half a second uh, but you know he was, he was generally pretty good uh i just think we were a you know we're a good footballing side and you know compared to other teams in and around where we are in the league we play some great ball we had some very talented players obviously we started off the season like we had no idea what football was but you know now we're sort of getting going you know, we yeah. know how to play the game. And I think that's, you know, that second half was, yes, we were playing against Spurs, who are a top four, five, whatever team, but they allowed yeah. us to play our game. And we don't look like a bottom three team. And, we don't. That's the you know, thing. Just, I, I th- well, it is, yeah, isn't it? I just think- we just look really fucking tidy on the ball, I think. I mean, even the commentators were saying it. Even the, I, I just think I'm very proud to look at this team and how well we have the ball at our feet. I think we don't, We like you said, we don't look like a team that's going down. I think it is between us and Brian, potentially Newcastle coming up. We just looked very good. Uh, anything that you thought, Baldo, about our play in particular in the second half? No, I, th- I think Morgan summed it up, but it does go back to the point that I and many of us on the pod have been making, re- making recently, most notable Matt Dom in the team chat, is that all these performances are good, but we need to start turning them into results. 
Like right. this draw on again on the surface of it is a good draw, but if we then don't go and turn it around and get the wins against the likes of West Brom and Brighton, who we've got in a couple of weeks, then we're going to look back. It's it's not going to mean much. So whilst we are doing well, you know we're doing well. We still need to be doing a lot better, in my view. All right. Okay. Well, yeah. look, Kenny Tetic came off in the 67th minute, uh, just getting a bit tired, I think. So we put Bobby Reed back in the white, uh, the right wing back position. This is where Parker gets his bullets because he brings on Adamola Lookman, and this is where the game really thing changed. Uh, I mean, completely much. So I feel like Hoiberg, um, Hoybier, uh, you know, grumpy beardy bollocks, whatever his name is, who just was making quite a lot of mince meat <laughs> out of uh, out of. Um, <laughs> he was making quite He's a lot of mince meat. Love to speak to us yeah. again. He's a brute, isn't he? But yeah, him and him and Loftus Cheek, he had him in his pocket a little bit throughout the game. So I, I feel like this was a very good move. And Demola Lippmann just changed everything. The electricity he provided, I mean, it just shows you how much we missed him, doesn't it, Morks? I mean, wasn't he fantastic for this game? Yeah, and I think, you know, I given the fact that he may or may not have been out with uh, you know, pandemic-based illness, uh, it was great that he was sort of on the bench to then come on and, you know, be the ultimate kind of impact sub. Yeah. So he the way his style of play is so different from you know what you know what we had before. I mean, the ball sticks to his feet, which is great. He's a bit he's a bit like a sort of wing version of Angisa, but yeah, that, I like that ball, the, that ball that he put in for the goal. I mean, we were talking about it after the QPR game. I said that we needed a winger who could swing balls in after a couple of touches. He did exactly that, and it was just a beautiful ball it was pinpoint not even Cav could miss that and it was yeah. you know I mean in all fairness Cav got into the right position and got in between the defenders and uh, you know flicked it in but that is Lookman's uh, strength is that he can change a game because he is that talented and I do you know I really hope he can keep this up for the season because there is obviously a, a you know a very promising footballer in there when he was at Everton it went off the boil a bit um, and you know, he's come to us and we've done it before with players, not for a while, but we've done it before. We've bought players who may have been on the brink of their, you know, peak, as it were. And we've had some great seasons out of them. And I think if, you know, we do stay up and we do keep Lookman, then maybe he can sort of, you know, maximize his potential with us. And yeah. I really, you know, maybe I'm getting a bit overexcited based on one cross, but at the same time, he is definitely a good player. And, I, you know, if he keeps it up, if he stays with us, and we stay up in the Premier League and he keeps on, you know, maybe there is a, an England cap in there for him. I'll say one thing. You know, a lot of the talk after the whole West Ham penalty debacle was, you know, he's got to come back and, you know, I, I think it may have been you, J-Max, say he's he got to either... Yeah, yeah, he has a debt to pay. He's either got to score the winner in a game we were destined to draw or get a draw in a game we were destined to lose. It was he has to redeem himself. I think over the course of, you know, ever since that game, he has done he has absolutely done that. I think yeah. we can sort of I not totally forget the the um the West Ham penalty incident, but he he is making up for it. And again, the cross the game tonight was superb for that. So yeah. Yeah. He he's no, been I, wonderful. I agree. We we, we I think we can forgive him for the uh for the penalty miss now. I think that was a rush of blood to the head. It was stupid as the day is long, but he's learned from that. And he's certainly not let that affect him, uh, you know, his performances. In fact, if, or maybe it has affected his performances and actually driven him on to be, you know, better. 
had he, you mm. know, had he scored it, he might have got a bit complacent. Who knows? But he's definitely not let his head drop, and he is just showing how talented he is. And I just hope that he has the longevity for the the course of this what is a increasingly weird season. And and let's let's not forget actually who scored the goal. I mean, it was I was I mean uh, for someone to score a header like that, I would never have thought Cavallero would have scored that. Uh, I I was really quite. Shot. So kudos to him as well. It's fantastic. Oh, that's two Premier League goals for him now, actually. Um, you know, Lookman can be quite selfish sometimes. I wish he'd look up more to the left and just maybe see that overlap that Robertson's offering. For instance, in the 67th minute, a few minutes before that, there was a really nice chance for uh, Lookman took the chance, but there could have just been a little pass to Robinson there, which would, might have been the moment for us. Um, Ruben loftus she had another chance in the 77th minute. You know, we're playing so much better after that goal. Just absolutely waves of positivity and confidence. And then Abubakar Kamara comes on. And um, how, did, how did you think he played? I'm going to go to first to Baldo with this one. Oh, no, no, no. This is a Morgan special. So you start with you. This is Morgan specialist subject. I, I bow and yield to him. But we're not going to make this. Look, this is a fantastic point against a very, very, very good team. We're not going to make this an anti Abubakar Kamara podcast today. We're just not doing it. Uh, like I, I think he did. Well, Morgan, you tell me how he, he did first, and like tell me about that looking up incident. I think when he came onto the pitch, that first touch and piece of play that he was involved in was absolutely brilliant. Good. That was where it fell Excellent. apart. And I don't really want to go on. You know, we all know he should have looked up. We all know that you know his vision is only second to Stevie Wonder. But it's, you know, <laughs> I can't, we can't focus on that. It's, you know, I came onto this. My adrenaline was pumping because we just got that point. It was hard fought, yet we could have won it. And I was just like, I was ready. You know, I, I wanted to launch into something. But yes, at the same time, it's, it's, it's been said before. It's, I don't know what stats computer Tony Khan used to find him, but it's, it was what it was. Uh, but, at the end of the day, let's not let's not dwell on it. Let's not dwell <laughs> on it because he did. Otherwise, there might be some angry emails coming in again. Well, he's the one being picked. You know, like it's not. It's you know, Parker is bringing him on to do a job. He comes on. He does a job. He 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 comes on for Cavallaro. He presses up top very high. I mean, he. Can, I think the first mistake he made was. I mean, he lost the ball behind him uh, for a through ball. That wasn't a great start. But you know, the positions he got into. I mean, very good. I, I thought. You know, he's obviously not the brightest or the sharpest knife in the jaw. But I mean, t- he was very effective for what we needed to see a game out. And it's just a shame he didn't look up to Lutman for that chance. But I- I'm not going to have this argument that that's three points that completely gone away there because we've had penalties that we should have had. And even they're not gu- guaranteed. You know, I just, there's, there's you cannot, yeah, of course. anyone c- cannot prove to me that Adam Lutman would have scored a goal if Abu Kamara made that pass. So I, I can't, I mean, I, he would have done, but let's not dwell on it. And no, you know, not, that's, no. uh, it's, he's, the thing is with AK is that he's not a good footballer, but he fills that he is that type of player that, you know, I think with, uh, you know, a couple of minutes to go and you need someone strong. I don't think Cabano is that player. But, you know, he needed someone who's, you know, could potentially take the ball into the corner. He obviously he couldn't hold it up in the corner because the ball would shoot off into the stand somewhere. But at the same time, he is that sort of, you know, he's he's an ox. And, you know, if you you don't want someone weak when you're trying to sort of, you know, potentially go for the winner, but also defending uh, a point. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see why he came on. 
But yeah, my points on. I think uh, you my should. Hang, 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 so hang on, let me put it this way: it was Abubakar Kamara's performance in defense of it was the standard Abubakar Kamara performance. There were some moments of very well done, and some moments of. Very I think good. it was better. I, I think it was better yeah, than exactly, that standard one. Exactly, like you said, his first yeah. touch for the first thing he did was brilliant. The fact that he, you know, he won us the corner late on with with his hustle, exactly very good. But at the same time, there were some bad moments. So let's say there it, was, some it was the standard, maybe slightly above standard, Bubakakwa. He wasn't the reason we only got a draw out of this. There are many other reasons. Let's just you can't let's just yeah, put you a can't line blame um, a single point on um a four-minute cameo or whatever it was from OK. Yes, had it been someone else with a little bit more footballing uh talent, we may have got the winner at the end, but we may not have done. Yeah. And say, you know. Yeah. But I've got to say, I think yellow is not his color at all. I think he looked like he put like about ten pounds over in that yellow shirt. Honestly, I thought he looked like really fat for some reason. Well, if he's been been one of those, if he's been one of those self-isolating, then maybe he's just been at home, sat on his ass for the last two weeks. And he's yeah, just I been like sort of, you know, he's just been eating and uh, he's come out. He just need, you could tell he had a bit of excess energy. I mean, he certainly wasn't, uh, you know, sluggish. Because no. there hasn't been much action since Boxing Day. Maybe he just hasn't had a chance to work off the turkey he ate. Maybe not. <laughs> what the whole, whole and the rest <laughs> and the rest, mate. Oh, well, he's eating more than turkey. I'd say that, but I mean, uh, anyway. Also, just really quickly, what 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 does Anderson's problem with Harry Winks? Did you see him just absolutely just nudge him to the floor for no reason whatsoever? I loved that. That was brilliant shithousery from him. Great stuff from Anderson. Great stuff. I thought Anderson had a very I good game. It. Today, I thought actually. you know that yeah. was a, it was a sort of defensive lineman play. Yeah, um, I liked it. I'm not sure Winks was it Winks. I don't know. It was um, it was Winks. Yeah, some score. Which, do you know yeah, what? Some Which I really really enjoyed, mate. <laughs> I really enjoyed it because I will never forgive Harry Winks for scoring that header against us in the uh, the last time we were in the Premier League, which equalised it. I think it made it one one yeah. in the end of the no, it's well, no, it's it's winner. Winner. It's two one. Two one winner. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh mate. Yeah, no, oh, that was his comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I enjoyed that. All right, good, good. All right then. Well let's um let's talk about our Parker ratings then really quickly before we move on to a Chelsea preview. Um I'll go to you, Mr. Baldeo. Um, I say he gets I say he gets an eight. I mean it was as I said, it was the standard there wasn't anything like revolutionary or you know, anything tactically bad from what he did. So he gets the standard seven, but he does get an extra he does get an extra point or two for putting out the strong side. And given that that was all the talk in the build-up and Jose Mourinho, oh, he should apologise. He gets a, oh, he gets yeah. an extra couple of marks for that. So, yeah, just for the just for the, the uh, pure poo-housery, as I like to call it, he gets an extra couple of marks. So, give an 8.5. 8. I'm going to give an 8.5 as well. And uh, just to add oh, as well, sorry, Jose. And for you, Morgan, what's your uh, rating for Parker? I'm going to make it a full house. I was going to, I was thinking about a nine. Then I thought, well, if we got the winner, then maybe a nine, uh, but 8.5. I mean, the guy has, yeah, he's been blindsided by a fixture. Uh, that's, let's not be around the bush. The Premier League fucked up there. They, they knew what the deal was with Aston Villa. They knew that there was a potential for this in these weird times where fixtures may need to get swapped around here, there and everywhere. Make sure you let the teams know that they're actually considering it. Or that's actually a potential, you know, uh, issue with a fixture coming up. And the fact is, they didn't. And we're supposed to be playing in the best league in the world with the most, you know, the most powerful, richest league. Yet, for some reason, they could not send an email, text or a call to say, by the way, Villa look like they're going to be unable to fulfill the fixture. 
you may have to play Spurs next week. And they didn't yeah. do that. And yet we managed to come out, turn it, yeah, okay. So the Parker made his point and you know, all the, you know, the press were going, oh yeah, Parker's saying this, that, and the other, Jose saying this, that, and the other. Reality is Parker had a point. Jose probably had a point, but I don't really care. Uh, but Parker's point was valid and he got his team prepared and drilled and whatever he needed to do and they put out a brilliant performance and i think getting that draw uh actually i'm gonna give it a nine because i want to be different and i think there you go I, I felt you going that way that's that's good that's good yeah All right, i think yeah it's uh, yeah just deserves it perfect perfect and i've got to say as well actually just want to give an honorary well actually first of all scott parker at one point uh was you know throwing the ball into the back into play and uh, eric lamella just suddenly gave him the absolute stare and i was just i find myself getting quite protective over scott parker and i was like you stop looking at me you inbred bastard <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, it's just something about him just like i was just like don't you look at my manager like that so i'm i'm, I'm really enjoying you scott are. parker I oh, know. How dare you? Anyway, so yeah, fantastic. And um, I'd like to give an honorary mention, man of the match. It'll go to Admiral Lutman or Cavalera for the equaliser, but I thought Harrison Reed, outstanding work, mate. All right, let's uh, wrap this up and open up another package, which will be the Chelsea preview after this. Fulham. All right, so we have got a Chelsea game. It has been moved to Saturday now. Uh, obviously, we love this game. Uh, let's just go over our record against Chelsea. So we've the last five games against Chelsea all in the league. We haven't actually beaten Chelsea in 19 games. Our last win came back in March 2006. It was a 1-0 win with a 17-minute goal from Boa Morte against Mourinho's Chelsea. Since then, we had had the odd draw against them, but it's mainly been losses, I'm afraid. Uh, Baldo, give me some stats at a glance for this season really quickly. Um, I was just really taken aback by this because I know there's been a lot of talk, you know, oh, this is the right time to play Chelsea. They're not quite the same as they were last year. But I think these stats that um, are excellent stats, one of my favourite stats that he's ever pulled up personally is, has been brilliant. They are actually doing better than they were last season in terms of goals scored per game and goals conceded per game. So last year they scored 1.8. This year they're scoring 1.9. Last year they conceded 1.4 and this season are conceding 1.2 so they're actually doing much right. better than they were last year but are sudden but are somehow um three points worse off after 17 games than they were last year so it's one of those you know the table and the result aren't always the thing there needs to be some context to it so whilst they may look as if they're down at the moment and struggling and there was talk about lampard under pressure and how they are they and how they're scouting for other managers also don't let that be the narrative going into it. Chelsea are still a very, very good side and can cause us problems. But that being mm. said, Liverpool and Man City and Tottenham are all very good sides going. And we managed to get two points out of the three games we played them. So it's not all doom and it's not all doom and gloom, but at the same time, it's not going to be a complete it's not going to be a complete walkover from us at any stage. Well, it's an interesting one. I mean, I remember Jurgen Klopp saying last year that the Chelsea team that Lampard had last season reminded him very much of his young Dortmund team and because of all the kids that were playing. And it was a very, very good... I mean, I'm not a Chelsea fan, of course. None of us are. We hate them. But I have to say, I thought some of their football last season was fantastic. And it's interesting with all these new signings, it's sort of like a more successful version of what we did in 1819, isn't it, Morgs? You've got, they've added so many new uh, glossy players into the pot that it's just taking a long time to John. They've sort of ruined that momentum of the young, the young guns, uh, you know, turning heads and making people rethink about Chelsea's yeah, academy think, into general transfer is, policy. Obviously they had their transfer ban, which they managed to make the best of. 
because they've, you know, any team that's not able to sign players generally struggles because they need a bit of a fresh face around the sort of uh, around the camp the team. Chelsea have so many players on their books, and this is why their loan list is so excessive. Uh, and it was good, you know, from a watching English football point of view to see them blood in quite a few of their youngsters last season. But now that they obviously, you know, they've got two years worth of transfer funds to throw around the place. It's, you know, they bought in some good players, but, you know, they are taking time to blood in. I mean, Timo Werner was, he was good at Leipzig, but I mean, he was a bit hit and miss as well. Uh, Kai Havertz, he, he's in a very good talent. And I think, you know, it will take time for him to come good. But I think he's definitely a, an interesting player to watch. And, you know, you still have, you know, the, the other players who were sort of coming into the team last season. But what I think one of the uh, good things that won't be there is uh, Ngolo uh, Kante, who's suspended for the game. Because uh, he's that he's that Anguissa, isn't he, in midfield? For them. Mm. He's sort of, yeah, he drives so. a lot of their midfield. And I'd I say he's not more having of a Harrison Reed in a lot of ways, actually. The way because he, he he's kind of a mixture, isn't he? Yeah, he's sort of that. like he he puts in the hard challenges, but he also runs with the ball. And they said, you know, what was it? Uh, what was it? Was it Leicester? I think it was like they said, seventy-five percent of the world is covered by uh, ocean. The other twenty-five percent is covered by Angola Cante. because it just got. You know, it's, just, it's just that sort of. He's uh, just that sort of uh, you know absolute ball of energy, and not having him. Pl- uh, for them. against us I think will be um, you know it'll be good for us anyway and whether they go with someone like Tammy Abraham you know who's dangerous he hasn't been great but he's dangerous Giroud you, you, you can't you can't you've got to be careful of him he yeah, is he's experienced he knows where the net is yeah and he, he doesn't miss I mean where they where we're able to exploit them is at the back and that's our problem is that we're having trouble exploiting anyone at the back so I think I you know um, I think I would, you know, we've uh, we should have a very quick look at the formation and you know and the and the team because I think there are areas that we can hit them, but we need to be so clinical and hopefully Mitro might be back for it because I think we need a striker for this game because they are they do have weaknesses there and if we sort of can exploit them then we can certainly get one or two goals in this game. So, you know. Would you change your formation for this one, Bordeaux, out of interest? Would you put Mitrovic on? Or sh- surely we shouldn't really be... Ta- I'm not disagreeing with you, Morgs, by the way. I'm just for the sake of... Uh, I wouldn't say change formation. Sure. Change the team. Change the team. Right. Okay. Fair enough. In which case, maybe have Mitrovic instead of Ruben Loftus-Cheek for this. And then you've got Bobby Reed beside him pressing a bit more. Something like that, potentially. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, any any player in particular you think you should be watching out for in this game, Bordeaux? I mean, like, we've got... Havertz and Werner scored lots of goals against Morecambe. Shock horror. Um, but I mean, I know it's Morecambe, but now they're on the actual score sheet. Maybe we should actually start being worried about them now. Now they're not actually in a drought. Uh, no, I think they're, they're still a very, very dangerous team. Even as I said, even if they have, haven't been, you know, a hundred percent this season. So there is still something to be, something to be worried about. And I think those players on their day can be quite, quite a handful. So they are absolutely going to be players, players to look out for. Uh, just hang on, just in terms of your thing, you know, you said Mitch. I think Mitrovic could this could be, you know, one of those games for him because I've not been quite you know, as much as I said Chelsea have improved defensively. I'm still not quite there in terms of their centre backs. So I think this could be one of those games where you want him to, you know, bully the other team. I think this could be one of those games you want him back for. 
Mm. But I mean, we just don't know when he's going to be back, really, do we? I mean, if we're talking about lineups, we'd like to see. I, I, I couldn't tell you uh, if, I, if we should change it much to what we've had to, tonight because, I mean, he wasn't even on the bench this evening. Am I right with that? I don't think he was. Well, I think know, he, he was, I mean, but I think, I think he had a slight... I mean, he had to play for 120 minutes at the weekend. He, you know, at least 15 of those were with a bit of a muscle strain by the looks of it. So hopefully it was just a precautionary mm. um, rest. Uh, given the fact that, you know, obviously there's another game in three days' time. But I think if he is able, I think, you know, Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma are their centre-backs. So you need yeah. a, I don't know, I don't think Zuma's particularly quick, quick but, uh, you know, Thiago Silva's 36 years old. And, yes, he's an excellent footballer um, and, you know, has a proper, sort of, you know, one of the best footballing brains potentially in the world. But, you know... Mitro's lack of pace may not be the worst thing. Like, yes, yeah. we do need this pacey striker, Tony Khan. But yes, it's very much a case of Mitro may not be, uh, you know, a bad option in this because we do need that clinical finisher. And yeah, okay, fair enough. His finishing hasn't been clinical of late, but he's the best we have. Yeah, and we don't, we don't. I mean, Ben Chilwell as well is a fantastic uh, left back, left wing back for them, and I feel like he could really cause some damage. And we don't want him to be basically essentially do what Regulan did for Kane. I mean, he he's already bagged himself, I believe, uh, four assists this season. Um, you know, he's back from injury. Now he scored two goals as well. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a settled back four, but it's like you say, it's not the best in quality when it comes to their centre-back pairing because I feel like they can be exploited for their lack of speed. Um, also, I mean, just Frank doesn't know his best 11 yet, really, still, does he? Arguably, I would say. I mean... All these six new he's sometimes he's playing Hudson Adoy, sometimes he's not. And then is it is it Mount or is it it's always a bit of a it's a bit of a conundrum every time. I'd like your thoughts on Frank quickly. I mean, do you think I, I don't know, I don't want to get this into a silly conversation, but I do feel like I like to think that Scott Park is the better manager here and he can actually come up with some <laughs> good cunning plan. I don't know, I just I, I, I'm I, sort of you know, Frank Lampard couldn't win a fucking playoff final and you know, Scott Park and he's landed the Chelsea job just irks me for some reason. I don't know why. I, I think what we're seeing at the moment is a lot of teams going down the Barcelona and Real Madrid model or bringing in managers who know the club and who know the uh the ethos of the club. And you mm. have it with Man U with Oligon Solskjaer clearly not the best manager for the job but doing a great job at the moment uh you got obviously and then frank lampard at chelsea not he's not he was no nowhere near ready for that job but he knows chelsea and he is the head coach he's not the manager if you need a manager um you know that's where you know old school alex ferguson arsene wenger whatever come in and they rule the roost over the whole club Head coaches these days are there to look after the first team and, you know, sort of a bit of the mm. maybe sort of the youth and things like that. But it's all about footballing matters on the pitch. It, it's so different these days. And I think, you no, know, he was not ready for the Chelsea job if it was a full manager job. But at the same time, he has lived and breathed Chelsea for years. And I think he's come into it. And last year, I think he did very well. Uh, this year, it's been a bit hit and miss. But I don't think Abramovich really will plan on sort of you know changing things up so quickly. He might bring in some more experience. I think I'm hearing rumors about Abraham Grant coming in as his assistant. Whether that's yeah, true or not, that, I don't yeah. know. But the reality is, Grant doesn't want to go off. Uh, not Grant. Uh, Abramovich doesn't want to go paying off Lampard. I don't know how long his contract is for, but you know, at the moment they're pushing for Champions League spots, 
and I don't think there's going to be any massive changes. So, okay, all right, and uh, you know, changes on the pitch. I mean, like I said, I don't think he knows his best eleven. We don't. I mean, it's a mystery who he could have on the wings. But I mean, let's assume it's Pulisic and maybe Zayic as well. Those are two very dangerous players, so we need to be looking out for them absolutely. And I mean, whether it's Giroud, Abraham. Or Werner. I mean, it's 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 going to be a tricky game. Like I think I completely agree with Border. We shouldn't go into this thinking that we can. I mean, we should be confident for sure after the games we played against top six time sides. But we should definitely be wary. I mean, I don't know, Border. Do you think this? Could we get excited? Could this be us like getting a win over Chelsea for the first time in ages and sending sacking Frank Lampard, their hero? It'd be quite fun, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, it would be fun. But I think if you're looking for the, if you're looking for the time for us to be beating Chelsea, I don't think it's going to be this time because I think the the the, the main goal is probably going to be to get a draw, as it has been for you know, most of the past <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, so I I wouldn't right. expect I wouldn't expect it to be any any different than that. Now I'll give my early score prediction. I think it'll be one one again, just because I don't I don't see us changing anything dra- drastically for for this game and. It will just play out as it has been for the past couple of weeks. So that's why. So that's why I think. So we might be able to get a draw if we get a win. It will probably be because Chelsea were bad, and you know, Thiago Silva, for instance, slipped up. You know, did a John Terry in effect, or did a Steven Gerrard, whichever way you want to use it, uh, to let Lookman in to score the winner. It will be because of them rather than anything that we do. All right, you I'm going to go with pessimistic bastard. Well, I mean, is he being pe- I, mean, I, I, I mean, he sounds pessimistic. But I mean, is it pessimistic say- or is it just realism? It's, it's just realism. If, if, is there, if is real- there a difference? If it's re- but no, hold on. If it's realistic that we're going to get a draw against Chelsea, I'll take that. I think that's a good result. It, no, it was it was the it was the manner of the draw. I mean, I, right. I you know the draw tonight wasn't because Spurs fucked up. They played their tactics and we took advantage of it but we had to take advantage of it and i thought yeah. you know if we can i think we we earned our draw we didn't just come up on upon it with you know, a bit of pot luck and i think you know yes we may be aiming for a draw again and then it's same again against man u but a point against these teams are great and then we really have to sort of you know use that impetus to get the three points against the lower teams but i think right. you know, if we keep going in the manner in which we played the second half today, and obviously we started the first half well as well. I think if we play the second half uh, as we did today, um, you know, we will, you know, earn our point. And I don't think it needs to be because of a mistake. I think if we are just able to turn this sort of uh, issue with finishing around, then we can get a couple of goals off our own merit, not just because mistakes made. Right. And with that in mind, mate, what's your score prediction? I'll probably lose two nil. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. No, Excellent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a two-one win. I'm, I've, I'm just gonna go really over the top optimistic, and that's not because I've been drinking tonight. Okay, I'm yeah. two two-one win. You say, yeah? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna match you. I think it's gonna be a two-one win. I think we're gonna. Get Lampard sacked and break the hearts. I mean, we will get Lampard. I mean, we we made John Terry cry and end his career for God's sake. This is going to be brilliant. We're going to get Frank Lampard sacked. It's going to be wonderful. I think two one absolutely. It's a full right. house, isn't it? I think that's a full house. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, just so before we before we sort of do leave it or move on, I say um, one of, I've had sort of on uh, on Twitter we had a question, which I think we should we should answer, um, and uh, it's from Hughes, who's based in Beverly Hills, according to his Twitter profile. 
um, he said, interesting here, what we think should be our first 11. Do we stick with the three or four at the back? And is Tete or um, Bobby the best right wing back option at the moment? And I guess for the Chelsea lineup, do we think uh, Bobby Decker Reed is a better option against Ben Chilwell down that flank because of his energy and fitness? Potentially, but we did notice tonight, I would say that Tete proved a lot to a lot of people there's legs on him. He's got a motor. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I wouldn't I wouldn't change the wing back position for Tete. I think Tete did just fine for the uh, this evening. I think he'd be fine with Chilwell. I want to see Bobby further forward. I mean, just that he mm. was he was it's just it was so good to see him further forward. I, I know he didn't score tonight, but this some of his movement in the final third was absolutely fantastic. I, I think we want to see Tete and I think we want to see Robinson. We we keep the back four as it is. Um, we maybe, if Mitro's fit, we can maybe stick him in there somehow. But I, I think we just don't change anything around, really. What, what, are you in the same frame frame as me, Mort? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm loving, I'm loving the the five three two, three five two. However, we're sort of framing it three four three. Even uh, I think it just it's. I think you know, as we said before, you know, sort of some people see it as defensive, but I think it's actually a really sort of good for a uh, good way of attacking. And I think, you know, we should continue with the three at the back because that solidifies our back line. And I think, you know, Aina, Anderson and um, Edda Rabaio have been brilliant together. And I think having sort of those wing backs with the energy to bomb up and down has been great. And I just, I think it's just an, it's an all round solid formation for us at the moment. And it very much fits our players, feature accepted. But I think it's very sort of, you know, it is one of those, uh, it's, it's something that's clicked for us whereas the other formations right. of the past haven't so much. Nice one. Well, there's only one thing left to do, really, guys, and um, I'm going to go to each of you of this. Uh, Bordeaux, I'll go to you first. Can you just uh, please say sorry, Jose? No, shove it up your ass. All right. Morgan, say sorry to Jose. No, I'm going to say what Boulder said. Shove it up your ass, Jose. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say sorry. Sorry, Jose. Thank you very much. Thank you very much to my lovely co-host. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. That was a sort of, I don't know, a sort of, I don't know, a rough sort of curveball of a show. We didn't really have much of a schedule, but it's lovely for you to be listening. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back with a reaction to Chelsea with Frenchie and a couple other people. I'm not sure yet. Thank you very much indeed. Stay safe. Fulham.